Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing? Good. My wife has made a bunch of chocolate chip cookies, so okay. I'm drowning my sorrows in about, I don't know, two or three dozen chocolate chip cookies tonight is probably what's on the agenda. On the plus side, on the plus side, Bruce. After 34 games, the Oilers have 18 wins and 16 losses. On the downside, they're finding a way to lose. And did they ever do that tonight? They did it even more so than the Hurricanes game, where the Canes were clearly the best team on the ice. This wild team, Minnesota, well, they were there to be taken tonight. They were there to be had. And and the Oilers did battle back and tie the game. And I actually thought at that point that the Oilers were going to win. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't get a save. They, this is one of the weirdest games. We've, we've been tracking scoring chances. I've been tracking them since 2010. And mm-hmm. this is one of the weirdest games that I've ever tracked. Both goalies, hard, neither goalie could make a, a save if their life depended on it, on a grade A scoring chance. We had, what What was the number, Bruce, that we had in the end? Seven to seven on grade A chances and six to five in goals. So uh, 11, 11 goals and how many grade A scoring chances? 14. 14. I, I'm almost 100% sure that's the lowest number of combined uh, grade A chances in a game this year. And I am 100% sure it's the highest scoring game of the year. So neither team got uh, got quality net mining to put it mildly. Three saves on grade A scoring chances. Like that is just well, there like, was that, four that, because Smith led in a grade B. But you know, yeah. Anyway, Smith is. Anyway, we're going to get into that. This is our yeah. two we're bad sure things, two numbers, <laughs> two two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Bruce, let's start out. Let's let's start out with the bad things tonight. You know, we usually start, but this is just top of the agenda. So let's just start out with the bad things because they're on the tip of everybody's tongue, including our own. Well, my bad thing is Mike Smith, and uh, you know, he's a veteran netminder kind of guy. I like to root for, but man, it's hard to root for a goalie that that comes up with as few big saves in the clutch as he did in this game. And it started right away. You know, the Oilers had, they dominated the first 10 minutes of this game. Uh, they had a well-deserved one nothing lead. And then Minnesota generates about a 60-foot shot right from the blue line that was going over the net. And Smith put his glove up, went over the puck, had to hit the cuff of his, of his glove, hit the Minnesota guy that was battling in front and bouncing into the net. And it's one-to-one. And right away I'm going, how are we going to win this game? You know, like, it was to me, it was a grade B chance, technically because it bounced in off the guy that was in close. We we recorded it as a grade A, but it was a grade B or C goal against. Let's put it that way. Goalies and, have got to have that for sure. Oh, a, just a point, catch the damn thing. A point shot where you you have the clear line. It's like there was a big guy in front of you, lots of mm-hmm. lots of action. But just you you fight through that and you make. That's what yeah, I, I, I remember talking to. Um, the whole way, yeah. I remember I interviewed Jim Corsi about this, mm-hmm. you know, the guy who's Corsi's named after. And I was talking to him about scoring chances because he he was tracking scoring chances and deeply involved in scoring chances and thought a lot about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that he said, I think this is from him, if I'm in my memory, this is an IIRC, if I recall correctly. Is it, I said, what about point shots that are screened? And he says, no, 
we expect the goalie to battle through that and to make that mm-hmm. save. So this right. was, I don't know, 15 years ago in the NHL or 10 years ago in the NHL, but I don't think things have changed that much. And certainly on that play, Smith had a clear line of sight. Mm-hmm. He just flubbed it. His glove, like people talk about Koskinen's glove hampers, but how many shots went whipping by? Well, that's, where I, that's where I was going next. The second, third, fourth, and Go fifth ahead. goals all beat Go him ahead. on the glove side. Two, three, four, and five all beat him on the glove side. Now two was a hell of a deke at high speed. I don't put that on the goalie. Zucker's um, goal was beautiful. Yeah. But then three, four, and five were all shots kind of from the face-off circle. One was a bit more of an outside shot that we called a great B, and the other two were from the right circle, but to beat him on the glove side, short side. Both times they either lost his post or he just wasn't able to get his glove on a, you know, a good NHL shot. But, I mean, a good NHL goalie is going to stop a couple of those, I think, isn't he? Well, we know from experience tracking grade A shots that one out of four uh, grade A shots will go in three out of four times the goalie will make the save. Now, these were some of these shots. Let's let's give Smith the benefit of the doubt and say some of these were 33% shots. Okay, these were mm-hmm. these were double yeah. A or triple A shots. Okay, triple well, A being still weren't 100% shots. Triple A being in the 40% 40% and above, and and double um, A being like 30 to 40%. So let's say he had one triple A and two double A's. But you'd still expect them to save one or two of those, right? Like, yep. those are still 33% shots. They're not, as you say, they're not 100% shots. And he didn't, he, he, how many saves on grade eight shots did he have this game? One, two, two. All game long, he made two saves on grade A shots. Yeah. Uh, and, and those were, I mean, one, I can tell you the two. I mean, it's such a long list. I remember both of them. Uh, <laughs> one was on the shorthanded play. When Clefbaum uh, uh, slashed the guy and took a slashing penalty just as he was in the act of shooting, so he didn't get that much on the shot. I mean, he did get a half decent shot away, and Smith fought it off. Uh, and then the other one was uh, a guy cutting across uh, right to left across the circles in the third period after what admittedly was a bit of a uh, of a of a uh, broken defensive play by Edmonton, but. In the end, the guy, you know, he sort of shot from the left circle and uh, not a particularly hard shot, but a little bit screened, and he managed to fight that one off. But at no (laughs) point, like, was there rebound control? Was there, uh, uh, you know, it just, his game's falling apart, David. It's now, I mean, it's not like it's just tonight. It's nine games in a row. Where he's What's played safe two, two good games, two good games, and seven poor ones of his last nine appearances. He's been eight seventy or below in seven of them. Tonight, seven sixty nine, twenty six shots, six goals, and uh, overall over the nine game span, eight fifty four save percentage. Now to put that in perspective, uh, we've seen a couple of goalies at the end of the line play their way almost out of the league in the recent years. Uh, one of them was Jason LaBarbera, who played five or six games for the Oilers in the uh, uh, 2013-14 season, and he was 870, and he was gone. And the other I'm thinking of was Jonas the Monster Gustafsson, who was signed in the offseason of uh, 2015-16, or 16-17, I guess. It was uh, a Chirelli signing on July 1st of an old uh, goalie. And he played, I think, seven games, and he was 878, and he played his way out of the league. I mean, anything below 880, below 890, really, 
is you're you're hanging on for dear life to an NHL job. And I mean, this run for Mike Smith is more games than either of those guys got before they got the boot. Well, now, in his case, Bath. he's got nowhere to go because he's on a no-move contract and they got nobody. Victor Fath played 26 games in his last eight, year with the Oilers. And what did Ilya Brizgalov? I'm just trying to think of the murderer's role. Breeze was 904. And Breeze was actually one of the better ones, but they signed him during the year and, and because of the, you know, to replace LaBarbera and Dubnik who'd collapsed under Dallas Aiken's swarm defense. And he was 904 or something, and they wound up trading him for a pick, and I think that pick became William Lagason, so that worked out. 908 but, in 20 games. Yeah, so 908, Gallop, okay. We, we'll take, we would take that. Yeah, and Al Montoya was nine nine oh six, and he was on his way out of the league. I mean, eight fifty four is subterranean for such oh. a long stretch of games. Yeah, and tonight, I mean, it, it clearly, I mean, to 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 score five goals and to limit the other team to twenty six shots and and seven grade A chances, and not even get a point. So, Bruce, is it my imagination that when Koskinen lets in has an iffy game that tip? always tip it the coach always mentions weak goaltending but when smith does he you never hear that narrative and am i making that up i don't know i'd like to hear if he if he doesn't say anything about goaltending tonight then you're not making it up yeah okay i'll i'll i i think that's a fair comment he's Maybe probably doing his post game right now as we're doing the podcast and i don't always hear his post game because of well, our he- commitments but you know, we shouldn't, assume, we shouldn't assume, I shouldn't assume favor, favoritism. Maybe he knows the two goalies. Maybe he knows that, that well, Smith can't tolerate. Maybe Koskinen needs the whip and Smith needs a pat on the back. Players are different, right? So maybe he's a master of psychology. You know, could be. He's he's an NHL coach. He's a very skilled coach. So I'm not going to criticize the coach. I, it's just something that, ha- it's a tendency I've noticed that a few times when, like, he's brought up goalting, which, which is unusual for Tippett when Koskinen's made mistakes. But when oh, Smith seems I, to have done so, we haven't heard that. I thought he would go with Koskinen tonight and give him the chance to bounce back from his uh, game on Monday, in which really he had one bad goal at the very end after it was decided and not a lot of help. Uh but he did not go back to Costco and he went back to Smith and uh, he got burned for this one. We'll see what happens now with the distribution of starts. I mean, both of their goalies been lit up for six goals in the last two games. And unfortunately, you know, the Oilers have, in their last three games, uh, they've come from at least two goals down to tie all three games. And each time they've given up the next goal and lost and only one did they even get one point. So it's a three-game losing streak from... You know, not being able to win the key portion of the game down the stretch with the score tied and, you know, a few minutes to go in each case. All right, speaking of players bouncing back, I will use that as a segue to Jujar Kara was <laughs> not benched after his game just, just losing play in the slot uh, um, last game against the Hurricanes. and But he was bumped down to the fourth line. So he's put on the checking line and given a job. And and with a, a minute left in the first period, twenty the, seconds actually. Twenty se- Well, with a minute left, they were sent out to oh, kill right. off okay, sorry. to kill off the final minute of you know like like a checking line does. So you send out those guys, and that's their job. And what does Jujar Kara do? He gets the puck on the offensive end, and you know what you want to do. You want to get it, keep cycling it into the corner, cycling it into the corner. And what he does instead is, and Drew Romanda remarked on you know he TV did. on this. So. Um, Rightly so. Jujer, rightly so. Jujar Kara put it into the 
into the middle of the ice. It was picked off down the ice. Down they go, and um, Ethan Bear gets, gets beat on a tough play. Um, he might have misread it a little bit, but, you know, it's it's a jailbreak at that point, mm-hmm. and um, they score on a breakaway, Jason Zucker. It was one of a number uh, of bonehead play, not bonehead, mental errors. Um, okay. That's a little hard, but mental errors. We'll call it, we'll be nice. I'll be nice and call them mental errors. Yep, that's um, fair. There's a few others, Bruce, that really, the one that actually bothered me the most, that bothered me a lot at the time. You know, I, I was saying in my head, and I think online I wrote to you, Bench, Kara, and maybe some <laughs> other nastier words. Um, but um, this began with, began with F. Uh, but I think that uh, Darnell Nurse's line change, listen, they had iced the puck. Nurse has one job. He has one. The Oilers have one job, which is to get the puck into the other end of the ice deep, so the players who have been out there and are tired can get off the ice. Darnell mm-hmm. Nurse has one job: get to the bench fast and get off the ice. And what does he do? He glides. He glides the uh, for for twenty feet, thirty feet, and then when he gets finally, he gets there. Here he is. He's gliding. Coming. I'm coming in, guys. Incoming. And Oscar Kleffbaum is the left defenseman. Think? We, mm-hmm. I think, I think I'm going to say Oscar because that's in the NHL. It's not like just any defenseman goes out a left defenseman place replaces the left defenseman. The next guy up in the order was Oscar Clefbaum. And what's he doing? He's sleeping because he doesn't go out there. Adam Larson jumps on the ice a second eventually. late, eventually, and they go down the ice and score. That is a t- like bad line changes. Like in terms of the things oh. that infuriate me more than any, that's it. That is, that's the number one thing that bugs me the most. And yeah, both- We've had this conversation before, and bad line changes and one goal regulation losses are about as tough to take as a guess. Uh, so I wasn't happy with that. And you know what? I, I think like Nurse got a lot of praise for his eruption where he threw two hits and got in a fight. I, I think after a terrible bonehead plays like that, or excuse me, mental errors, um, that players often have eruptions. We've seen this with the Milan, I call it the Milan-Lucic effect, because after Lucic makes a mistake, he invariably goes in and drives someone hard into the boards or punches them in the face and gets suspended. So this was Nurse's reaction, I think. He, like the, the the rage, like, listen, he knows he screwed up there. He's feeling rage at himself on the bench, and he just took it out on on uh, what's his noodle, the um, Greenway, is that his name? Greenway, yeah. He sure did. And, and that was... It was a very satisfying thrashing that Nurse handed out to that player. Although I have to say the the one thought in my head is like, oh God, I bet she's broken his. I bet your nurse has broken his hand. And I, and I wonder, Bruce, well, how much of bleeding. I don't know what the hell. I think Buddy caught him with one, and Nurse landed five or six. He definitely won the fight, but he was the one that was uh, uh, spurting a little blood at the end of it. So it was a, it was a pretty violent fight. They were both going hard. I wonder how much of the visors and the helmets have cut down on fighting as much as anything else. Because, like, how, how much... I don't remember players getting hurt with fighting as much in the 70s. But it seems like when there's fights now in the last decade, I think we've seen Ethan Morrow, Sheldon Surrey, other players get injured in fights. And every time I see a fight now, I just think, maybe they don't know how to fight or they're wild. Like, I don't know they're wild or the fights. But I just think it's punching helmets and visors, um, which are pretty... Pretty hard on the hand. Have we had Punching a broken board? It's like McDavid did in junior that one time. <laughs> anyway, I'll leave it there for mental errors, Bruce. Yeah, uh, well, I'll well, not play. I, I mean, Nurse, Nurse thought, I'm going to get off quick and we're breaking into their zone. I'm going to glide over and we're going to get a new guy out. But while he made that decision, McDavid decided to go one on two just inside the blue line. And the puck turned south in a quick hurry. And of course, when it did, 
we had one defenseman back when there should have been two, and all of a sudden it's a two-on-one and can't get a save, of course, and then it's in the net. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what is your... Okay, let's, let's, let's turn happy. Let's put on our happy thing. faces. Good thing. Put on your happy face, Bruce. You're not, yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Your good thing. What's your good thing? You well, now that, you, now that you ripped him for being asleep on the bench, I'm going to compliment Oscar Kleppbaum for having his best game on the ice in quite a long time. He did. Uh, frank, frankly, he and his partner both, Adam Larson, and he, uh, I thought, were very solid. Uh, didn't give up a lot, and they had uh, a pretty dominant uh, game by the by the puck possession numbers. Uh, uh, shots on net were 14-6 for Oilers on Clefbaum's watch. And, of course, he scored the first goal, and a very nice goal it was, too, when he uh, activated from the point, did a nice little give-and-go uh, into the corner with Gagne, jumped in front and, and potted it. And uh, he was that was his first Oilers goal, even-strength goal that the Oilers scored that he'd been on the ice for in eight games. So at least he took matters into his own hands and got it. And for the most part, that pairing... Uh, kept things simple and uh, uh, kept the pressure going the other way. I thought they were they were solid and they were you know especially Larson. He was very unlucky. Like on the uh, the line change one, he got a minus for that when he had nothing to do with it at all. I mean, no. He was trying to make up for a for a miscommunication, a malfunction at the junction, as Ed Whalen would have called it. <laughs> and then on the uh, 5-4 goal, he was the one guy that was kind of doing his job and minding his own business, boxing out the guy on the other side, but the forwards all got beat on that one. Uh, so he wound up uh, on for 2-4 two, two against, but it was that kind of game where even if you play a low-event game, you're still going to be goals on the board because nobody's making any stops. I hated that that goal you know the forwards all got down low and you can just see it coming right you can always see it coming but you can never stop it that's a line from a cowboy junkie song Mm -hmm. and there wasn't anything particularly horrible about nuge chase on or not Nigard on that play they were all trying like hell Mm -hmm. but they were all just a little bit too anxious and a little bit out of position and a little bit well i couldn't clear the zone earlier it was probably yeah. i got stuck in there for a bit and the cycle actually warmed okay my good thing bruce is related uh, i'm also picking larson and gaetan haas the orders were out of this game it was four to two and they weren't really going anywhere uh and then all of a sudden um gaetan haas scored a really he's really good at deflecting the puck in front of the net Mm-hmm. Um, he, he is. this is a particular skill he has. He's looking for it all the time, and he's really good at it. I think he's gotten a lot. You know, most of his scoring chances think, have come off I that. I think play. all of his goals come on deflections. Well, he's got three, and I think they're all on tip-ins. I mean, not that's a huge number, but that's how he scores so far. Larson put the puck on net, and he tipped it in. Adam Larson had his best game of the year, followed by his previous best game of the year, the the game before. This is actually fantastic, Bruce. Like, I know that the Oilers are in a three-game losing streak. People are still down in the dumps. But they, like, to me, you make the playoffs in the NHL, generally, if you're real 500. So the Oilers have 18 wins and 16 losses. They are real 500 with some loser points. And they're in a playoff spot still. The Oilers need to finish the year real 500. So, so far they've achieved the goal, even though they're on a bad streak. And they will achieve this goal if they have six, six solid defensemen and two solid goalies. 
Now, what we have right now, I think they do have six solid defensemen. And defensemen go up and down. They have bad streaks and good streaks. But it's nice to see Larson rounding into form because he is crucial to this effort. He is a he can be a very solid top four defenseman. We've seen that in the past, and we've seen that in the last two games. And if that's what we get from Larson, there's no injuries major more. There's no more major injuries. Like, or if there's just one guy out of the seven guys who are kind of in the rotation that we have now, I think the orders are going to be okay, Bruce. And it's so I'm really glad to see Larson um, playing the way he's playing because it's a, a good sign. Now, the only issue, of course, is goaltending, and it's a it's it's a killer. It's a killer. If, it's a killer. killer. What's your number? Oh, well, I'm going to go with the line of numbers. Uh, Darnell Nurse's stat line tonight. It's pretty wild. Pretty high event player he was in this game. And lots of lots of uh, action at both ends of the ice. Uh, he did get an assist uh, on a decent play. Uh, where his partner, Ethan Bear, made an even more decent play. A very nice pass on the 4-4 on the goal. But minus three, meaning he was on for four goals against. Uh, he had a, a one penalty for five minutes. He played only 17 minutes and 11 seconds, which I dare say when we look it up, it'll be his lowest total of the entire season. No, he spent five minutes in the box and he spent time in the room getting getting uh, a Band-Aid or whatever it was. Uh, and he also had that weird kind of, looked like he was grimacing late in the game. And he had eight shot attempts, four hits, and he was just all over the ice in a good and a bad way. But uh, it shows up on the stat sheet sometimes. High event actually shows up as crooked numbers all across the event summary. And uh, that was Darnell tonight. Okay, so my number, Bruce, is the Oilers have, a, as we know, they've got a big problem in goal. And, and if Smith doesn't quickly pick it up, I mean, as you say, by now, some goalies would be already have been jettisoned right now the coach trusts this goalie likes this goalie it's pretty clear and he's you know just the verbal around mike smith is he's made a big impact to the team this confident big personality he's helped koskinen that all goes out the window though if you have another few games like this you just can't you can't keep going back to him if he has if yeah. you're gonna have to do something at the nhl level it's all about winning and it, and it's been nine games almost in a row. Uh, I don't actually remember a good game in there. I mean, there's some that he's won, but... Yeah, he won two actually... games with about 9-20. Uh, you know, just sort of solid NHL-caliber net-minding. He won a game at Vegas. Oh, well, that he played well there. And he was pretty good in that game. Yeah, he uh, That was enough. a bounce back after he got shellacked in, uh, in Los Angeles 5-1. And uh, he... Uh, he had one other game that was uh, that was a win, and it was another kind of a bounce back uh, performance. So, so normally you'd be looking to the farm system, Bruce. But my, you know, maybe as a replacement for Mike Smith, is there someone down there that you could go to and and bring up? And Mike Smith would be the third goalie, I guess, because he's got a no movement. I understand. Um, so, but <laughs> my two numbers are eight ninety and eight seventy nine. Stuart Skinner has played seventeen games the most of any player or goalie, excuse me, in Bakersfield, and he has an 879 save percentage. Dylan Wells has played six games. He has an 890 save percentage. Um, Shane Starrett, the starter last year who did so well, has played only three games because of injuries, and he's injured now, and he's got a 923 save percentage. So if, if Shane Starrett was only healthy this year, the Oilers would have an obvious move they could make, and they would they might be making it soon. But they can't unless he suddenly gets healthy. 
Now, Sterrett could get healthy in the next couple of weeks. I mean, he's kind of, he played a game about a week ago, then he went out again. And so who knows, who knows what his health situation is. Maybe he's suddenly going to get healthy. I doubt it. It doesn't sound like it. Even if he does, you're not going to just jerk him up into the NHL in those scenario when he's there, barely played a game for six weeks. Well, that's it. He'd have to play a couple more games down there. Um, We'll see Smith a couple more games though. Um, That's pretty clear to me, but Skinner, like, Having watched Skinner last year, and like I wasn't, he had some okay games in the playoffs and at least one or two stinkers as well. And man, he's not ready. He's not his and his save percentage clearly indicates that he's not close to ready. So people are thinking there's help on the farm. There is no help there. No. There is none. Like that's not gonna. That's not an option. No. So that's yeah, unfortunately the two the two young netminders down there in Starrett's a- absence. They were given a golden opportunity to come up and seize the day, and both of them have just been unable to do so. I mean, the last two games they played, they were whooped uh, 7-3 and 6-2, and in both games they outshot and apparently outplayed the other guys, but they couldn't get a save. It's a good. This is a pretty good Bakersfield team, at least when you look like the look at the roster. But they're a losing sure. team, and yep. it's. I think it's you know. Jay Woodcroft is too polite to say this when he's interviewed, but um, he's very it's looking to, looking to me like they've got a huge, huge goalie issue down there as well. To the point where they might, where if if Starrett isn't going to be healthy this year, they might have to bring in another goalie at the AHL level um, if they want to make the playoffs. So I don't know. Like maybe is there some kind of AHL goalie? I'm just going to Google Anton Forsberg. Where is he now? I know that. Uh, Carolina might not be too happy to, is to be playing, paying, because I think he won an arbitration case oh, yeah. and got an NHL salary this year. But there might be some kind of AHL-level goalie. Anton Forsberg is 27. He's in Charlotte right now. He's got a 901 save percentage in 13 games. He, he was 919 last year in 32 games for um, the Rockford Ice Hogs in the AHL. He was one of the best goalies in the AHL last year. He's kind of like Starrett. He's not having a great year this year, but like that's the kind of player maybe they could they could get for very little um, because he's on a NHL contract. But this is this is not it's not going well, Bruce. What would you do? I think they're almost painted into a corner, David. I mean, they got I mean they got all their. Guys in the in the places. I mean, they they called those two guys up. I mean, I guess if they determined that Starrett was, what they had to shut him down, for you know a few more weeks or something, that they might go and get someone at the AHL level. Uh, the last thing I want to see at the NHL level is a three-headed monster, unless somebody gets hurt, you know. Uh, so I think they're stuck with Smith. But this idea of him getting equal starts to Koskinen is is. Uh, been mind-boggling for a while and i mean he's getting he's getting lit up almost every start i mean his last four starts 868 846 864 769 where do you get that is there a page that has l l l l yeah it's a game log and i get them from hockey but you can also find them at nhl.com l l l l go figure yeah so those are that's what happened in all those games. Yeah, they're going to have to do something, and and the, so the obvious thing is what you just pointed out, and what people have been pointing out for some time. Like, and I, so, some people were saying, and 
they should have gone back to Koskinen tonight. Like, I yeah, yeah. I didn't actually think Koskinen was horrible in that game. Like, I think he was a lot better in that game than Smith was in this game. Oh, um, yeah. And, and um, you know, why didn't they go back to him tonight to, to give him that bounce back game? Um, so clearly, Tippett's got a... Dave Tippett. I hope someone asked him. Yeah, okay. Well, we, well, we can we can go listen to the tape. We'll listen to the tape yeah. and see how see what see what Tippett had to say. See what he said. <sighs> When's their next game, Bruce? Two more Is days. That... They're playing even number days. They play the oh, Leafs. Toronto. Five PM early start. The the early hockey night in Canada slot because of course it's the Leafs. So that uh, that is the national broadcast and uh so, actually, they always play Saturday night, uh, 5 p.m., two weeks in a row, because they play the Habs in that same slot the following Saturday. And so, uh, that'll be, uh, it's always an intense game with lots of uh, Toronto fans in Edmonton uh, making a lot of noise and uh, often mocking uh, the home team, and uh, we hope it doesn't come to that. But uh, it's... next up is Toronto, and it's, uh, it's a tough schedule now. I mean, they had their... their uh, lower tier opponents they played in the homestand and they managed to to basically piss that away so it's a it's a rough rough patch that they hit now without a doubt it's a it's a shame bruce that this isn't like your with that european like the winter transfer window that they have for yeah. uh premier like all the soccer teams in england mm-hmm. in europe because you could then the owners could then bring in Ilya konovalov from hmm. uh, their third round draft pick from uh, Yaroslav Lokomotiv, who has a 912 save. For, he he started out terrible, but he's, he's been really good. good in the last little while. And he's got it now a 912 save percentage in 27 games after 930 save percentage uh, in 45 games last year. So he's been uh, good as of late on not a very good team. Um, they have eight, he has eight wins and uh, 17 there's losses. No, there's no transfer window, and it's you know basically. They've uh, they've made their bed, and they just need the net miners that they have at both levels to uh, start stopping pucks. How about this, Bruce? Trade Yessi Pulyarvi's rights for a goalie. Not sure I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at a certain point, you're going to say, well, if we can't get any saves, we're not going to make the playoffs, but you can't sort of torpedo as long as you future. got Koskinen. I mean, the good eh? thing about Mike Smith is he's on a one-year contract. And, you know, yeah. that after this year is done, I don't expect we'll be seeing him again next year. I mean, I'd be very uh, surprised. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'm just brainstorming here, Bruce. I'm just throwing no, ideas out there. I'm just trying. I'm, I'm a little bit desperate right now because. Yeah, uh, that's, I understand. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they're going to do either. Like, you don't want to get, like, what. People remember how crabby people were about what they gave up for Montoya. What, what was it, a fourth or fifth round pick or something? It was like a that? fifth round pick that got upgraded to a fourth round pick if he played seven or more games, of course thirty he did. minutes each, and he played eight games, which included six starts and twice that he came in just before the thirty minutes were left in the game, and he played like thirty five minutes, and they they, they counted, and so they they upgraded the draft pick that they gave up for him. Peak Oilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was just one of those shake your head. And they can't Not just at the, the trade, but at the whole aftermath and how the coach and the GM just weren't on the same page on that one too. It really is a shame with what's happened in the HLA. Like, as you say, like they have these two young goalies. They just really, 
you know, if one of them had like a 920 or 915 save percentage in the HL right now, mm-hmm. they'd be getting a ticket to Edmonton probably. Maybe. Well, it still would make a three-headed monster in a mighty uncomfortable situation with the two veterans. Watch if a rookie got into play with the two veterans, one of them in the press box and one of them on the bench. It would take kind of, uh, it would take a very hard-nosed coach to make that decision and the coach's whole thing is to show support for his goalies and say he's confident in both of them well he's got to he's got to chew on that and he's got to keep spitting out that line and he's got to keep gritting his teeth and hoping they turn it around I, I i just don't know what his other options are just given the whole set of circumstances okay well the one encouraging thing that i'm left with from our little chit chat here about um in the last little while is um in the same time period that um Smith has had a, what is it, an 8.53 save percentage in the last month? Yep. Mikko Koskinen has, has not been great, but he's had a 9.10 save percentage in that time period. And, mm-hmm. and he has uh, six wins and five losses in his 11 starts. So I think that the sense of crisis is, and, and anxiety uh, is exacerbated because Tippett um, uh, has been going with the two goalie rotation. And if Tippett moves off to that and gives cost starts to give Koskinen two out of three starts or three out of four starts where that makes sense, maybe this is righted. Maybe the situation is righted without any major move in Edmonton and, and it, it's going to turn out okay. If Koskinen can stay in that, you know, between if he can be league average goalie, right? Um then and he's playing two out of three or three out of four games, um, we're looking at a playoff team. Are we? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's leave it there. I'm, I'm having a hard time being optimistic at this moment. I mean, we, we were uh, early in the season when the team was doing well. Both guys were playing really well. And, I mean, Smith's fallen off a cliff. And Koskinen has become, uh, you know, he's had good games and bad games mixed, but at least a, a more reasonable mix than, than Smith, which is two good games out of nine. Koskinen's uh, but, had just the one really bad game, I think. It's yeah, I had a, but yeah, he's been lit up for five and six goals in in the, just the last couple of weeks. So yeah. you know, it's not exactly that he's on any kind of a a roll. I mean, hopefully he, he cuts it short and bounces back with a big game, and it better be next game that he's back in net. One hopes, one yeah. hopes. All right, thanks for talking tonight, Bruce. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you indeed. And in the meantime. And in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.